Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com, and with me today on this preview Wednesday is Scott Reynolds, also at PewterReport.com, ready to break it all down for you between the Bucks and the Rams in the divisional playoffs, a heated battle that is quickly becoming something of a rivalry between <laughs> these two teams over the last couple of years as the Bucks have risen and kind of emerged into relevancy and the Rams have been there over the last several years Scott it is uh it's become a a battle and kind of in some ways must watch TV when these two teams get together yes John I am ready for this game this is going to be a fun game but I'm not ready to play right tackle John my playing days are over like back in 1988 my friend so (laughs) what's going to happen at right tackle with Tristan Wirfs is he going to be ready to go Uh, John we we had a little bit of an injury update here from Bruce Arians let's Let's start the show with, with with what that is. Now, keep in mind, typically Wednesday, especially this late in the season, is a day where players have walkthroughs, right? The Bucks right. have not practiced on a Wednesday for probably a month or so. So I just published Matt Matera's story on PeterReport.com that's got the injuries. You were on the, the conference call, John. Uh, you want to give us an update on where, where things stand right now with Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs, Josh Wells, et cetera. Yeah, it certainly sounds like those guys are going to be evaluated Friday and see if they can go or not. Matt indicated a practice today when he was down there that Jensen looked like he was he was participating to some degree. He, Arian said he did not participate. You will see, but there was a clear difference between he and your Wirfs, who was absent, who wasn't seen down there by the media at least. So at least he's going through something. Would be shocking to both of us, I think, if Jensen didn't play. Am I right? Is that fair? Are you? Is that fair to say for you? Like, or would you be surprised yes. at this point if Jensen doesn't play? I would be shocked if Jensen didn't play because he finished the game on that ankle, and just even his sideline reaction. The Buccaneers put out a clip where he was <laughs> yeah. mic'd up on the game, you know, yeah. and and he he finished the game back from uh, the dead, baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dead. So I, I think that with Jensen, it's not a high ankle sprain, right? When Bruce Arians said high ankle sprain for Tristan yeah. Wirfs, immediately I'm thinking he's not playing on, on Sunday. Now, we'll see how tough he is, et cetera. But the thing with the high ankle sprain, John, is it's different than a lower ankle sprain, which is like a twisted ankle, right? A high ankle sprain is where the ankle gets torqued, and there's right. some, there's some, some ligament spraining that's happening in that. Uh, and, and listen, that, that's an injury, too that even if Tristan Wirfs wakes up on Sunday and he feels good, one rep, one wrong rep, and he's out for the rest of the game because that's that's right. an ankle injury that can linger all season. And um, and how good is he even going to be if he plays? Exactly, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you're in a boot all week, and then they see yeah. Friday if you can go. I, I think Tristan Wirfs a long shot. I know Rapport said this morning he's more doubted than us. Sound like he was like a he was brave guess basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like that. I watched that clip from from uh, the Pat McAfee show. We had a story on PeterReport.com, and you know, and it's like I appreciate Rapport's insight, and he's he's an NFL insider. I get that, but man, it's like it, like that was just a pure guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe he talks to somebody. I don't know. I'm just saying, like. I don't think I just, the way he phrased it, it did not sound like it was inside. Yeah, he even said at the end, like, I expect to see him out there. Like, that's how he ended it. That's yeah. I listen to him on there all the time. That's it's unusual for him to like say twice basically that he thinks he's yeah. going if he doesn't have something. But anyway, I don't know, man. I just that would be shocking. Like, I just don't feel like you could be ready, especially worse after the game. Like, yeah. he 
that then if he had come back into the game, I still wouldn't have said necessarily that he could play because of that high ankle sprain. Those yeah. usually just feel worse the next couple of days. So yeah. I think we're going to see Josh Wells and Ryan Jensen in the starting lineup for the Bucks. We'll see how it plays out throughout this week. Yeah. Either way, those guys might need a little extra boost for that game. I, I think Sunday, so, John. I got you know where they're today. getting it from. They're getting it from Celsius. Oh, yes, sir. You saw, people saw it coming. Yes, sir. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. No sugar. Unbelievable boost and energy boost that it gives you, but without the crash, essential energy that accelerates metabolism and burns body fat. And it comes in a ton of different flavors. Honestly, not lying, all of them taste really good. Like they I really, haven't had one. Really that I, yeah. There's a couple I haven't tried. There's a new um what's the new one, Scott? Passion fruit, something passion fruit. I think it's um, mango passion fruit. Is it mango passion fruit? That's why yeah. I have not tried that one. And there's a 7-Eleven up the street from me, that. actually. Yeah, yeah, I need to try that one uh, very soon. But I've tried just about everyone. I've tried everyone on the screen. Wildberry, strawberry guava, Fuji apple pear, orange, tropical vibe, orange sickle, peach vibe, uh, watermelon. They're all good. Uh, I literally like all of them, and yeah. I would keep all of them in my fridge. John, I'm uh, kind of like you. It's like I either like them or I love them, right? But right. there's n there's none that I don't like. I mean, the, even the cola has got a very interesting flavor to it because it's not up on the picture here, but, but the cola flavor tastes just like – we're not going to name any brands, but – like some mainstream popular colas. So they, whatever, yeah, I haven't had that one either. They really nail the taste on these things. I don't know how they do it, but they get some super scientists there at, uh, at Celsius for sure. Oh yeah. No question about it. And so uh, they're great stuff and you can check them out. Click the banner ads at pewterreport.com, go to celsius.com and do the store located to find out where they are near you. Also would remiss, be remiss if we did not mention a fast protein bars from Ooh, Celsius, yeah. which you can get right now for 20% off. It's a ridiculous deal. And the link is literally right in the YouTube description. So all you got to do is roll down there and you can get these 20% off the ch chocolate caramel peanut crunch or the white chocolate cookies and cream. Both are outstanding. Best protein bars I've ever had. 20% off right now. All you got to do is click that link below in the YouTube description. Enter the promo code 20 yep. fast start. That's all you got to do. 20% off. You can get them scheduled coming to you on the regular. And trust me, they are worth it. Are great and kind John, of meal replacements. They're filling. They taste good. They it's taste awesome. so good. And listen, they're they're by the same company that brings you Celsius. So if you like Celsius, give these a try. And again, it's the taste that does it for me. The energy drinks taste amazing. The right. fast bars, the protein bars taste amazing. They're like right. candy bars. Yep, agreed. All right, let's talk about this game a little bit. In hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we start talking about uh -oh. this game, before we start talking about this game, uh -oh. Buccaneer fans, it is 4.08 Eastern if you're watching us live. If you have not read John's Bucks Briefing uh -oh. column today, this is a must-read, okay? Uh, I, I proved it this morning, and I what did I say, John? Reading your, your game plan for beating the Rams, to me, was like – eating the first bite of a prime rib, right? And you're really hungry. And then you just like inhale the thing and you wash it down with an old fashioned with mm -hmm. your favorite bourbon. That's what it was like for me. It was one of the best columns you've written. Thank you. I agree wholeheartedly with the game plan, which you're going to get into. And uh, I mean, great minds think alike. And I'm just sitting here as I'm reading this. Of course, I'm focusing a little bit more on the defensive side. You and yeah, Paul White, yeah. well, you got the offensive side, you know, <laughs> taken care of. But as I'm reading this, it just everything made sense. I hope the Buccaneers are reading it too. They, they read our stuff at PeterReport.com. You know, that's, that's yeah. It. I mean, they've had their game plans in since last Friday. That was interesting here, and say, yeah. you know, they'll tweak things and adjust things based off what they saw. Uh, against certainly Cardinals. helps if they've played the Rams right. earlier, right? They get a feel for them, even though it was back in Week Three, and there's some personnel changes on both sides. It does, yeah, no question. Um, this is going to be such an interesting matchup to get into, Scott, because we're going to talk. Let's talk about it first from the Bucks 
the offensive perspective for yep. the Bucks. So then we can get to the best for last, which is the defensive side of the ball. I know that's what Ooh, you really want to talk like about. Like that. Later, so. like the sound of that. When the Bucks have the ball in this game, there are some significant disadvantages that they didn't have last time. Now, I remember they didn't have Antonio Brown against the Rams last time. Right. Tyler Johnson actually had one of his better games in that one. Mm -hmm. uh, Gronk got hurt during the game and was kind of came back in and back out. And so, you know, that he wasn't quite himself. But even before he went out, if he hadn't dropped that long ball, that 30-some yarder that would have right. put him in a, in a red zone situation, I mean, he was probably on his way to like 80-some yards. Mike Evans had a good game. Uh, Chris Godwin had a good game. It was kind of a really productive day for everybody. They had five guys over 50 yards receiving against the Rams. The Rams have actually gone backward as a secondary too. Both their starting safeties might miss this game. Jordan Fuller yep. definitely will. Their best safety. And then Taylor Rapp, who as well, uh, might be out of this one. So Brady really wasn't. This is kind of a, the weird game. It's probably the only one I can remember. I'm trying to think now of games that the Bucs have lost when they yep. got crushed against the Saints. Right. And the, and the, and the night game, that right. was, that was, a, that was one that wasn't very close, Yeah, but this one wasn't really that close and Brady was awesome. And that is just right. a rare collection of events. Like that is just not going to happen true. very often, Scott. And there were a lot of contributing factors to why the score was the way that it was. One was Gronk dropping a third down in the red zone, you know, would have put a big play into the red zone. It was a great throw and that's, they end up punting for midfield. And so that's a swing play in the game. And, they probably blew more coverages in this game than I've ever seen a Todd Bulls defense blow. Two of them ended up going for big plays. Yeah. The Rams missed probably three other ones in this game. This was as right. unorganized as we've seen a Todd Bulls defense on the back end. Right. Dean and, went and out of the game a few plays in. Yeah, I was going to say Dean went out of it. Cockrell. Dean went out of the game. And, and, uh, and Sean Murphy Bunting was, was out. So remember, this is week three, right? So Sean Murphy Bunting goes out right before halftime of week one. So – that really kind of threw, you know, especially when Dean went out, that really threw a bit of a, of a monkey wrench into the plan here for the Bucks secondary. This was really the first game where they had to kind of, you know, shuffle the deck a little bit. And you and I were both really um, surprised that after Mike Edwards double pick sixes in week two against the Falcons, that we saw an awful lot of Ross Cockrell in this game and not so much of Mike Edwards in the game. So instead we saw D Delaney come in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that didn't work out too well. So the, No, yeah, he and Ross Cockrow had a tough day. They really did, yeah. And remember, Cockrow had, had given up the touchdown on the slant pass to Calvin Ridley the previous week. So this was kind of the beginning of the end for Ross Cockrell at the, the nickel position. And he, he did play some more throughout the year, but I think Mike Edwards has asserted himself as, as a better nickel option. We didn't see much of, of Cockrell in the last game, certainly. Right. But, so defensively, it's different personnel this week. But offensively, yes. you know, this will also be different personnel in some ways, you know, because you'll have some guys out there. Now we'll see what happens with Cyril Grayson. We'll see if he's able to give it a go yeah. on Sunday or not. Obviously, that would be anything you can get would be a boost to the receiving core. But I am I am preoccupied with two different things when the Bucs have the ball, Scott. I think the biggest thing that you're gonna hear people you're gonna hear people say the Bucs need to run the football. And I've already I've already heard of no. some people. And <laughs> they, are, I, they are gonna have to run the football, John, because Tom Brady was the leading rusher in the last game. So it was right. But crazy. that to me was not the problem. Brady no, shredded wasn't. them in terms of the passing game. And yeah. I think the Rams, if you look at their defense. They have been susceptible against the pass all season long. You know, yeah. yes, can they get pressure? Sure, but when they don't, they've really had a hard time defensively. This is not the same group from a year ago. Yeah. If you look at their raw numbers, their analytics, all of it, and the way the Bucs match up with them, the Bucs need to be really aggressive in this game. They need to throw on early downs. When yeah. you run, you need to be efficient when you run it. If they build a game plan around running, 
they're going to fail in this game. They're not going to yep. win this game playing that way. The Rams are excellent against totally the agree. run, much better against the run than they are against the pass. Yep. And the Bucks, yes, because people are going to say, oh, no Godwin, no AB, offensive line's banged up. You can't pass the football as much. You've got to turn it into a slot fest. I actually would go completely the other way, Scott. And I think Arians might be too. I'm getting a little excited, but here's the second part of it, Scott. Arian said on Bucks Total Access, we noticed against the 49ers, the Rams have new safeties out there. They yeah. haven't played together much. There were communication errors against the Niners. I said, oh, okay, I'm taking a note of that. That might be something to come back to. Today's asked about, oh, what do you do? Do you muck this game up? You know, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, you can't just go underneath. You got to take some shots too against this team. This is yeah. not the Eagles. The Eagles right. are by far the team in the league right now that you like cannot take shots against, but you can get everything you want underneath against. And last week proved that exactly. The Rams are not sure. that way defensively, Scott. They You can get big plays against them. They've given up 53 20-plus yard pass plays, 10 40-plus yard pass plays. By the way, the Bucs have only given up five. So if you want right. to have an idea of how relative that is to the performance you've seen this season by the Bucs, it is a defense. Yeah, You can John, find big plays against down the field, Scott. John, there's, a, it, there's something to be had here. In vertical, do you know of any quarterbacks – um, that that are really good at looking off safeties, like like are there, are there any that come to mind that that you've watched? You know, there's a guy Tom Brady that's oh that's right Brady yeah he can look off those safeties can he? Can the Bucks get him? Oh, they I did get they him. Got him. Yeah, they, they got have him. him. They got oh, him. Yeah. Oh, right, it could work. Yeah, so I, I I agree, John. I think the safeties are going to be at play here. I also think, and again, right or wrong, depending on on how you. You know, you view things, and, and I see both sides of this. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer that the running game can help the play action passing game. I'm also a believer that you don't need the running game to have an effective play, play action passing game because just the the action of play action pass can affect the linebackers. They have to to read and respond to what they're seeing, which is taking a step forward when they see a handoff, a fake handoff to a running back. Right? They they've got to carry out their assignment. So. You don't need to have a running game that's super effective to make play action work. But having said that, and again, I see both sides of it. If you have a running game that is working, it makes play action work, I think, better. Bruce Arians is old school to the, the, to the point where he believes that you have to have a running game to have play action work. And if that's the case, I think that with Brady and his ability to, to, to look off safeties, and what Arian said, which is he want to take some deep shots against this team. And you got some guys to do it. And Mike and Gronk down the middle and Brashad Perryman and Scotty Miller. You've got some guys that can get vertical and right. maybe take advantage of these inexperienced safeties. And if that's the case, I do think they're going to rely on the running game a little bit more than maybe you want, John. But I think the other thing, too, is is it just again from my defensive line roots and in understanding the the defensive side of the things there's nothing that can take a pass rush energy away from a pass rusher than having to deal with the run and having to to tackle and get double team with the bucks do a run game and stuff if you want to slow down a team that that has got a lot of pass rushers you do run at them for that reason it doesn't have to be necessarily to get yards, get first downs, and obviously that's what you want, but it can serve a purpose, especially in this case if Josh Wales will be playing for Tristan Wirfs, like I think and I, I believe you think as well. Yes. Then then you're going to see the Buccaneers run the ball. It's not run to win. It's not that's going to be the game plan. They're going to run all over the Rams because I agree with what you said. You pass the ball to beat the Rams. Right. 
They had 13 carries in the last game for 35 yards. Tom Brady was the leading rusher with three carries for 14 yards, including a, a QB sneak. So what you want is to be better when you run the ball, not yes. to run the ball more. That's the key. And we talk about that a lot on the show. But obviously, yeah. last game they were down, you know, early third quarter, yeah. they're down multiple scores. And so that affected things. But when they ran the ball early, they were terrible. Now, this was so early in the season. This was before it was after this game, I think, or week four, maybe that they started those Friday meetings. Tristan Wirfs has talked about in the run right. game. So the important thing is just going to be more efficient when you do run the football. And yeah. I think they will be. And I have no – like there's no part of me that thinks Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich are going to a, a run-heavy approach against right. a run defense as good <laughs> as the Rams. Like I, it's just yeah. – I would be stunned if that happened. They're going to yep. live and die by the sword like they always do. So yep. it, putting that part aside, to me it's like the deep ball part is the interesting part of this because yes. last year against the Rams, they tried to force the deep ball in the mm-hmm. regular season. It didn't work. This past year when they played him, they have plenty of vertical plays down the field. Jalen Ramsey is not playing outside. He is not matching up with Mike Evans. Mike Evans right. even said that today. In 2020, we matched up a lot, and Evans honestly played well in that matchup, even though right. they, the Bucs didn't in general. Um, and then he said this past year, early in the regular season, he played a lot inside. We didn't match up very much, and that's how Raheem Morris is using him. That yeah. hasn't changed too much, and the Rams run less man coverage, Scott, right. than any other defense in the NFL. So it is going to be a zone-based matchup. The Bucs are going to f- be able to find matchups that they won in this passing game based on how they align Evans and based on what the Rams typically do and how they typically match patterns. They're going to be able to look at that on tape and say, okay, here's where we can put Evans. And yeah. when they match this pattern, here's who he's going to be up against, and this is where we might have an advantage. Right. It, it's certainly different than, than it has been in years past. I just wonder, though, without Chris Godwin in this game, right, and, and I think that was the matchup that, that they wanted. Uh, Raheem Morris is no dummy when it comes to defense. He knows that this offense, this Bruce Arians offense, runs through the slot receiver, which is Chris Godwin, one of the best in the game. And so you saw that matchup quite a bit. In the week three matchup, Chris Godwin had a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, but not a receiving touchdown. He was targeted seven times, caught six passes for 74 yards, including a 21-yard yard pass play. And, John, you, you talked about those shots, right? Mike Evans had a 20-yarder. Godwin had a 21-yarder. Tyler Johnson had a 31-yarder. He had three catches for 63 yards. Gronkowski had a 26-yarder before he left the game. And, of course, Giovanni Bernard had a 32-yarder, but that was on a screen pass. So I I agree with you. I I think that that this is a game where traditionally you you see Jalen Ramsey play a lot more inside, but I wouldn't be surprised without Chris Godwin if Raheem Morris reallocates his assets and puts him more on Mike Evans just because Maybe. Evans is the bigger but threat than Tyler. Even Johnson. if he plays outside, it's it's unlo- the Rams just I mean, they have played so little man coverage this season. Yeah. Like I said, there's matchup zone elements to this that's gonna look like man maybe post snap right. as people are watching on TV. But it's going to be it's based on where the receiver goes. It isn't Ramsey taking Evans no matter what. And that's basically what Evans said today. It would just be it would be a huge deviation for all of their defense and their scheme if they suddenly went from being the least man coverage. It's not like they're a middle tier like the Eagles, for example, like they were zone heavy team, but they were increasing their man coverage and they were kind of like somewhere in the middle. The Rams just like don't do it basically like at all, like goal line situations, short yards. and I mean, they have 90 reps in man coverage all season long, according to PFF. And. They're also the least likely team in the NFL to go to press coverage alignment at all. Yep. In terms Speaking of, what of they press, do. So there's space. Press that like button. If you're watching our video mm-hmm. live, if you are watching our podcast version, make sure that you like the videos that you see on our Peter Report YouTube channel. 
called Peter Report TV. And make sure you subscribe to said Peter Report TV channel on YouTube. Because when you do that, it boosts our subscriber count. When you hit the like button, it, it helps our algorithm, which gets us in front of more Buccaneer fans so they can become familiar with the Peter Report podcast, which you'll find typically Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays at 4 o'clock p.m., unless we have a special guest. And then on Sundays, pregame show at 2 o'clock this week. Then and that's the Peter Game Show. The Peter Game Day Show will be at 3 o'clock. And then we'll have the Peter Post Game Show following that. So, um, but it all starts here on our YouTube channel. So make sure you're you're subscribing to Peter Report TV and hitting the like button on our videos. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I like the I like their ability to hit some splash plays. The other part of it, Scott, is that I, I just think they are not going to be able to mount five, 10 plus yard play drives. So I think you need yeah. to find ways to hit splash plays. So they need to hunt them. They need to try and scheme them up. That needs to be a focus of what they do this week. Right. It needs to be an aggressive game plan, I think. And, it, and the script will matter too. The first 15 will matter because the Rams yeah. will adjust some things if you come out differently than you've had in recent weeks where they've thrown more underneath. Right. Um, and they'll they'll try to maybe roll to two high coverages more, but mm-hmm. you are going to see a lot of cover three. And think about right. Brady's numbers against Raheem Morris, Scott. Like, mm-hmm. I know this is still somewhat what the scheme that uh, that Brad, uh, what's his, the Chargers coach, uh, ran, Brandon Staley ran, yep. ran uh, last year with L.A., but he has also made it more zone, which means a lot of cover three. The seams are going to be open. Gronk is going to have opportunities down the seam in this game. Matchup-wise, on paper, it's not the worst thing schematically. Now, you get to the line, it's a different story. But with the receivers, Scott, I think that there are opportunities here for guys who know what they're doing. It's all going to to be a very mental game. It's going to be very much how you process Mm -hmm. because the Rams will rotate their safeties a ton. They'll go from two to one, and they'll spin somebody single high, and and they'll cut a route or something like that. But guys, the wide receivers are going to have to watch the safeties. Gronk's going to have to watch the safeties and adjust their routes accordingly, especially Gronk, really. Like, if he's if he's seam running, he can't be, like, seam running against too high. He's got to bend his routes middle of the field if it's too high and middle of the field's open. And so he's got to be processing at a high level. Yeah. You know Brady will. You you know right. Brady's not going to make those mistakes. Last time, he just shredded the Rams, really. When those guys weren't dropping the ball and he was protected, they're what like he knew what this defense was doing. It seemed like he studied it and – Really, every time he's gone against Raheem Morris, he has. So it gives me some hope going into this game, Scott, that I do think they have enough pieces to have some success offensively in the passing game. The key is going to be what the heck happens with this O-line and can they protect because the Rams up front are a monster challenge. Scott. Oh, they are. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, they have this guy. He's um, you know, he's pretty good, Aaron Donald. He's not even human. Yeah, he's no, a mean. No they had a great plan for him last time, Scott, honestly. Yeah. Like they really did. And everybody kind of ripped the oh, you put Gronk on Aaron Donald, you know, for that one play. Well, yeah. the ball was supposed to come out quicker, and something else I won't get right. into it, but affected that. And Gronk pushed him pretty wide. It's just yeah, the reality is it doesn't matter. Like he's that much of a freak, even when you have right. a plan for him, it it often can fail. I mean, last time it was crazy. Like they would put yeah, Marpet, they'd slide Jensen to him or Smith yeah. if it was the other way, and they'd help. And then Fournette would come and run into everybody just like mm-hmm. off, it, off his play fake <laughs> or whatever, just to like try and like again, just anything to keep him off balance. Well, and you know, there. You, you mentioned Fournette, John, and I, I think this is an interesting thing because we're talking about the receivers, and and you know, there's talk that Fournette will be back. I mean, he believes he'll be back for this game. He was somewhat close to coming back. Last week against the Eagles, but he tweaked his hamstring again when he was trying to open it up because that's kind of the, the final hurdle, the final test to get through the medical evaluation is, you know, when you open it up, when you hit top speed, how does it feel, right? And he felt some tightness there, and, and they rolled him out for the game. 
So the interesting thing is Leonard Fournette was really ineffective in this last game in week three. And four carries, eight yards. His longest carry was three yards. And, and, and he wasn't even that big of a receiver in this game in terms of targets. Targeted three times, called three passes, 26 yards. Did have a 15-yard catch. But, I mean, we're talking about a, a game where Leonard Fournette totaled you know, 34 yards in this game. Really, it was Giovanni Bernard at the end of the game when they were trying to play catch-up. He was targeted 10 times, caught nine passes for 51 yards, 32-yard uh, catch and run on a screen. It's really the first time all season, John, that we saw Giovanni Bernard. He looked really good in that game. The problem is he scored a touchdown and then injured his knee on that play and was lost for a couple of, of games. So maybe Giovanni Bernard has a bigger impact in, in this week's game because they're a little unsure about what they're going to get back from Fournette if he can go. And, and listen, Giovanni Bernard had a hell of a game this past game against the Eagles. I thought he was the better running back out of the two guys in the game, the other being uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, of course. Yeah, no question. I think that they're fine with it, no matter what happens, to be honest. Like, yeah, if you've got Fournette out there, it helps have another body. I hope Giovanni Bernard still splits some reps with him and gets chances because he just has another gear as a player. And the yeah. Rams are one of the worst defenses in the NFL in terms of yards after catch. I think that's going to matter in this game. Right. If you are trying to stretch them vertically and they adjust to it and you have to go underneath or you have to go underneath because of pressure or blitzes, the Rams blitz a decent amount despite having a good front four. I, right. I don't know how much they'll blitz Brady. Last time they blitzed him 23% of his, of his dropbacks. Now he had 60 dropbacks. So if less dropbacks and they in a different game situation that could impact that, but they're about 26% for the season. And, yeah, you know, so they're going to blitz probably on occasion, but not very often. They'll, they'll, lots of games, you'll see lots of games yeah. in front. They'll threaten O line communication and they'll put all their guys all over the place. And they all right. have a bunch of good rushers. So it's a challenge, but those guys available for checkdowns and to be able to yeah. be elusive after the catch, that's a big element of the game, Scott, because what, if you are able to test them down the field and hit some big plays, you're going to have to go down underneath at times as well. To Once you start right. stretching them vertically, especially middle of the field, then those linebackers say we have to get more depth to take yep. away the seams. We have to get more depth to take away middle of the field if we're too high, if we're too, uh, middle of the field open. Now you start saying, okay, now we go to our checkdowns. Now we right. start using the flare control player, whoever's leaking out of the backfield, um, you know, even or leaking out into the flat if it's, if it's yep. tight end for the flat. Now we start leaking them out there and we start saying, okay, now we're going to get the ball to you, Gronk, in space. And the Bucs have done that. They do a good job of these things. Schematically, their offense is 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 okay for this matchup, like schematically. Can you execute, though, because of protection? And can you execute because of wide receiver personnel? Those are huge questions going into the game. Paul pointed this out on Twitter and said it to us in our group chat. Right. When the Eagles switch to more man coverage, the Eagles, who are not a great man coverage team, switch to more man coverage late in the game against the Bucs, it was harder for Tampa Bay because yep. Todd Johnson wasn't getting open. Brashad Perriman's routes were trash on tape. You know, Jalen Darden's playing a little bit. Scotty Miller's playing a little bit, but nothing noteworthy from them yet, right. really. And so that becomes the challenge then. Can you, if they're playing more man coverage, where are the matchups that you can find? especially if Evans is you're trying to hit big plays with them and they're getting safety help. Okay. Now he's essentially being doubled schematically. So that's where Gronk, I think in my opinion has to come up big because if they use Gronk in line as much as they typically do, then it's going to be hard for the Rams to match up him up with him and anybody that they care to prefer to match up with them. Their inside corners are small. They don't really have a great coverage linebacker option. 
it they don't have like the pieces necessarily to match a Gronkowski type of player, which is why he right. was on his way to a, a pretty huge game the last time. Before yeah. He got well, there. speaking of huge games, the guy I have here on the screen, Kenny Young, the linebacker for the Rams, had a huge game. Uh, Ten tackles, including a sack, three tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit. Brady was sacked three times. Obviously, Aaron Donald got one of those. Donald didn't have a Kenny, huge Kenny game, Young's though. gone. Too. Kenny Young is gone. Yes, he got Young traded Rogers. to Denver. So. <laughs> so that's so now it's player. Troy Reed. Yeah, they do not have great athletes at linebacker. They, they don't remember in the past exactly. that was kind of their priority. Like Corey Littleton was their guy, you know, for yeah. a while. They didn't care that he sucked in run defense. They right. just wanted guys who could run and tackle and coverage. And exactly. now they don't. It's kind of a weakness of their defense. A yeah, little they're bit. They inside linebackers. Correct. I agree. They're they're inside linebackers. Uh, you know, are are their weakness? That's that's their weak link, and that's um, probably I think good news for. For Rob Gronkowski down the seam, for Tyler Johnson going across the middle, and and maybe for the Bucks running game, that that duo inside in between the tackles, run game, Ryan Jensen, Alex Cap, Ali Marpet, I, I think that's that's going to be kind of the focal point there. Of course, you have to go through Aaron Donald to get to those linebackers. Yeah, but the thing is, the outside linebackers are the real threat. We saw Leonard Little have a, a pretty good game. He had a sack. And he's going to be going off the left side again. He said, he said Leonard Little, which was such a throwback for me. Oh my gosh, Leonard Floyd. Yeah, <laughs> Leonard Little. Leonard Little was a was a baller though for a while there. It happened sometimes to forty nine. You get your Leonard confused. Like, I was like, who? And then I realized you're Leonard Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, you're right. They, it's a formidable grand like, back in the day. What's that? Didn't Leonard Little play for the Rams? He did. You're right. Yep. Number yeah. 91. Same yep. Team. And he put up sacks. Same, same team. Same yeah. position. Same, same team. Leonard. Same Just position. Leonard. Same person. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that that's going to be one of the hardest things. It's going to be communication, too. That's going to be so difficult. Yeah. You know, because Aaron Donald, I mean, if you look at his snaps, he lines up outside as much as he does inside a lot of these matchups. Like, there's no last time he lined up a ton outside against the Bucs, yeah. and he will again, especially if Josh Wells plays. They're going to put him over Josh Wells. The Rams, right. I mean, that's like the easiest call to make ever as a defensive coordinator. Oh, this guy's a well, backup? Like, let's what just do. attack him. If I'm Raheem Morris, what I'm doing is I'm 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 putting I'm putting Aaron Donald right over, well, I should say, in that the B gap, in between mm-hmm. Alex Kappa and Josh Wells. And then I'm, I'm either – well, yeah, I'm, I'm putting – Leonard Floyd right next to him and just I'm running games. working that side, just yeah. running games, just, just working. And then let Von Miller work on Donovan Smith. That's exactly yes. what I do. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. I think Miller has mostly played the left side there, but either yeah. way, whatever it does. Well, no, I mean, he played almost uh, Oh, did he play the right side? Played a ton on the okay. right side uh, in okay. that playoff game. Okay. So, so yeah, that, that's probably what they do. Um, you yeah. know, Miller's not what he once was. Maybe I was a little right. more fired about that move than I think it's, but yeah. he's still he's still may play he's still a good run defender against the Cardinals. You know, yeah, he, he, he did. did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And uh, listen, William Butler, I appreciate the super chat as always. You're you're one of our steady eddies when it comes to the super chats. I truly don't see how we win this game. That's because you haven't read John Ledyard's Bucks briefing column. You got a lot of things have to go right, William. <laughs> you got to go to pewterreport.com, read that. He's got the complete game plan, offense and defense. We haven't even gotten to the defense yet, John. Yeah, which is yeah, the, the Bucks are favored in this game, Scott. Now, uh, look, I'm not me. giving away my prediction until Friday for this game. I'm not either. Yeah, and I'm, I'm obviously either. laying out a path for the Bucks to win. Right, but I'm stunned that they're favored like that. Is crazy to me. Like I must just be. I think it's a push at neutral site. So maybe they feel it like the homes. Yeah. That's, I don't know, man. I mean, I just think on paper, like the Bucks are the ones with the uphill challenge. Doesn't mean it can't be done at all. We're laying out the path right. for it right now. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate these super chats, Dennis, uh, for sure. But yeah, I, I just, 
I don't know how you look at it and say it's the most likely outcome. Now, can right. they steal one? Absolutely, they can steal one. Like, I mean, they, they can get, I mean, I've steal one's probably the wrong terminology. Like, they have enough good players. You have Brady, yeah. they still have enough good players where they can get this thing done. Yeah. But it is a huge challenge for sure. And the protection is everything basically on offense. I f- yeah. fully believe, Scott, if they protect, they'll win the game. Like, I, yeah. I really find that to be true. Brady, we know he's going to release time. But again, you have to be able to take some shots right. in this game. You need time to be able to do it. You need your schematic elements to help you. If it's play action, yep. you need to use them. If it's tempo to keep them from teeing off on you and drawing everything up. They did this against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, right? Remember? That's Chiefs right. wrecked them the first time they played in the regular yep. season. Blitzes, and they sent everything, and the Bucs getting protection was totally lost. If you go tempo like the Bucs did in the Super Bowl, a lot harder for defenses to communicate right. and set those things up and sugar gaps and then drop out. And yep. I think going tempo is big in this game. It's obviously worked for the Bucs now. The Rams are going to be ready for it. They've started the last couple mm-hmm. games with tempo. So the Rams are going to be more prepared. The Chiefs weren't prepared. They were, they didn't th- expect that out of the gate in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's a, but you have to use those tools. You cannot be players win against players and we'll just win this yeah. game. And I, I think that's where the coaching comes in. I want to comment real quick on the $50,000 fine on Arians by the NFL. Um, you know, Bruce Arians came out today and said he's going to appeal the fine. Mm. I understand like the the premise that the NFL, they don't want, you know, coaches hitting players and all of that. But the one thing I'll say is, is Devin White will come out and probably head slap Andrew Adams harder in the pregame hype, right? Coming out of the tunnel than Bruce, than old man Aaron. You're posturing. You know, just just whacking him on the helmet. And I I truly believe he was trying to get his attention and not not get the the personal foul because that is – that is a personal foul, unnecessary roughness. If you pull a player off the pile, yeah. And and I I don't think I mean Arians is a player's coach. He is beloved by his team. Mm-hmm. He is not a tyrant. He is not some you know. Uh, they have that kind of relationship. Maniacal old man. So I yeah. I hope that Bruce uh, wins the appeal. I do too. I I told you I think it's absurd. I think it's, I think if you want to say for posturing's sake, you if you want to say oh we can't have this and tell him like issue a public like he's been given a warning or something like that. I think still think it's ridiculous. Like in essence, I get why you'd have to do it just because like people are going to be like, Oh, look, but that was a clear. And that's why I think he might win his appeal. Like just looking at the situation, it doesn't make any sense. Like in the situation, he's not like mad at Adams. He's trying to prevent something from happening. Also he can't move on his Achilles. So he reaches out because it's the, he can't get all the way there to it. It's clear. Like that's the type of breakdowns folks you're going to get here in the board podcast. He's like teetering forward toward him and he's trying to like reach out and get him. Right. 69 years old with a half torn Achilles. Like it's exactly like it's pure posturing. No one, including Adams or anybody right. else, believes that Arians actually did anything like yep. hurtful in this situation. I, I, He's trying I, to get his attention, so reactionary to get his attention. Exactly, it's right. no different than when, when, when my son Logan was was getting ready to touch the hot stove. I smacked his hand so he wouldn't touch the hot stove. Yeah, it's reactionary. Like you're trying, right. right? You're trying to prevent something from happening. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I it's not. It's a total non-story to me. It became a story yep. because the NFL decided to find him. He'll appeal, and and, and yeah. I think that he might win that one. Elliot, uh, $5 super chat. We appreciate that. I'm more optimistic than William Buck's turn on another gear in the playoffs, plus Ray J home crowd will hopefully have an impact. Yeah, I think the, the crowd has been mentioned by a bunch of people, and it was mentioned yeah. by Eagles players, so you know it was legit. And so props to you all if you're in the chat and you have tickets or whatever. You guys definitely made an impact in the last game. Goddard even said for the Eagles tight end, said they even messed up a play because of the crowd noise early on yeah. in the game. And so, yeah, I think that makes a big difference. That can make a difference in this game for sure. But the Rams are the least, one of the least penalty uh, 
ridden teams in the NFL. They're, they have been for like every year under McVay. They're very disciplined in that way. Um, and so I think that, you know, they're going to need some things to happen probably outside of the norm to, to win that part of the game and to, and to get some self-inflicted stuff like the Eagles had yep. in, the, in the game. But it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It's obviously happened with other teams against the, the Bucks before. The Packers were an example of that last year in the playoffs so where they committed some fouls and they were one of the least penalty-ridden teams uh, last year. So, yeah, you need some luck and occasionally right. at times. You need a call or two to go your way at times to win at all to win the Super Bowl. It's interesting, right? Because the Buccaneers are eight and one at home, right? They've got that little, you know, that nasty blemish, the nine to nothing yeah. loss to the Saints, where they lost all their offensive weapons, it seems, in that game. Undefeated at home when they score a point, though. That's true. That's a fact. Or a point. One point. They are undefeated at home. Win 100% of the time. <laughs> we talked about that in our PR group chat today or the other day, which was really funny. Uh, we went through a bunch of scenarios where yeah. the Buccaneers were undefeated at home. The, the other thing is the Rams are seven and two on the road. So they're, they're no slouch when it comes to coming into uh, enemy territory. However, they don't have any, what I would deem real quality wins, unless you want to say Arizona and, and, and maybe Seattle out there in their, in their division. That's probably about as good as it gets the Rams. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying it's just a oh. divisional opponent. You I'm, know? Sa- I'm saying that's their second best other than the Bucks. Well, I, I'm just saying, I mean, it's, oh, it's, uh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, there, there are two losses on the road were to San Francisco, which actually swept them and they got crushed by San Francisco out there in, uh, in, in San Fran and then to green Bay. So the, hmm. those two teams were, were the teams they lost to on the road. They, they won seven games on the road. So that, you know, they're used to playing on the road and playing well, well enough to win. So it's going to be interesting to see. The Bucks going to be nine and one. Come six, six, fifteen Saturday, uh, Sunday night. That's interesting. I hadn't looked at that, Scott. They only playoff teams that they beat were the Bucks and the Cardinals. Yeah, in the regular season, at period, like home or away. Yeah, I hadn't looked at that with the Rams. They beat the Cardinals what once and lost to them once. They split with the Cardinals. Cardinals. They beat the Bucks in Week Three. Right. And again, I'm not saying that they didn't, and then they beat the Cardinals in the playoffs. So you know that's one. But they lost the 49ers both times. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Titans. Yeah. Um, and they lost to the Cardinals once. So yeah. against playoff teams, they did not have a great record. They they beat the Colts. They beat some of the fringe teams, like the Colts who almost made it. Um, who else? The the Ravens. They beat them by point with Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Anyway, look, I, I just think there's a path. But it's all going to come down to the other side of the ball, Scott. And that's what we're going to talk about in a second here. Because that, that's like right. the other side of the ball, is I, we can it talk is. about the offense. Brady will get some points. You and I said this earlier today. They'll get some points. I don't think it's going to be thirty points just offensively without turnovers or short fields or anything like that. But they'll get some points. They'll put some points up. But these guys got a ball out on the other side of the ball. But before we talk about that, Scott, yes. I'm going to let people know an opportunity they have to win some money this weekend during the playoffs. They can win some of this money over at Underdog Fantasy right now. You can double your first deposit right now. If you enter the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, they will double your first deposit up to $100. That's how much they want you to get in there and have an opportunity to get yourself some cash. The over-unders, the pick them special lines are going on this week. And they're really cool. Uh, it basically, what it is, like you can add Debo Samuel, I think this week, over one receiving yard to your pick them slip. So basically you get like, a free, a free one, basically, in your pick them. So, yeah. So, in if you get pick them up to five, so if you get a pick five right, now you only need to get four, basically. If you get 
your pick four, right? You can win up to 20 times the amount of money that you put in. So this is an awesome opportunity. Yeah, they give you one for free. So even if you're doing a pick three, like you can still win like 10 times your money that you put in and you already got one free. So you now you only need to get two right. So you just bet on player stat lines. You go over under on their player stat line that underdog gives you. And if you're right, you can win uh, you know, up to whatever you put in. Now there's a max $25 entry on the slip, but you can do multiple slips. And so if you double your first deposit with the promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, it gives you this opportunity. Plenty of money. To be able to win. So yeah, it's awesome. It's I love betting on the player stat lines. It also makes the in-game viewing experience kind of fun. Like, especially if you just have like a couple right. bucks on it and you're like, oh, I need them to get one more catch. And like, if you're watching with friends or family, yeah. it's just, you know, in, in a bunch of you, we did it for Thanksgiving. My family, we all like got signed up and we all did like, a couple of the props and you know everybody got hurt like in the first quarter that we bet on but you know, like that's how it goes but it, it does add some fun to it so i encourage people to check that out the link for that actually if you're looking for it is just down in the youtube description as well so you can click that and it'll take it underdog fantasy the app is incredibly easy to use that's interface cool. is great underdog fantasy is, yeah. is awesome i can't recommend them enough they're kind of newer yeah. on the scene but they're they're top notch they're already ascending like crazy i'm sure you people have seen them on social media and advertisements for them everywhere um, so it is the next big thing for sure john in a world where it's offense <laughs> versus defense, <laughs> offense versus defense, <laughs> defense wins championships. Well, let's hope you're right, Scott, because this is the matchup for Todd Bowles. This, this is, is his nemesis, this is man. Sean McVay has just absolutely yep. rocked this guy. You had some great stats yesterday. I think it's 34 points, 27 points, and 34 points. Right. That taking the, away that pick six to James. Taking away the pick six, yeah. yeah, in 2019, right, that the offense has scored. But they've piled up even more yardage. The first two games, they're putting more points. <laughs> if it's not for Jared Goff being turnover crazy. And honestly, even last game, I felt like schematically, like the, well, I felt like the Bucks' offense did some good things and got unlucky. They got – they had a they had a penalty, they had tons of penalties on offense. They had seven penalties in the game. Almost all of them were on offense in that game against the Rams. They had the Gronk drop, deep play drop. I'm going to rewatch the game. I'll remember some of the other stuff. They also yeah. had a 15-yard Bradley Pinion punt from deep in their That's own right. end. They gave the Rams a field goal. Rams went three and out. They were already in field goal range. They kicked yeah. a field goal, gave them points. So it was just like remember too. the whole game. Remember, too, I mean, Jamel Dean probably had a pick six that he dropped. Right. Now that pass was first dropped by Cooper Cup, just to right. be fair. But yeah. you're right. Joe LD did drop it, and you cannot drop picks this week for sure. Yeah. But schematically, I felt like the Bucks did almost nothing. What was Stafford, his numbers? I'll pull them up here really quick. I'll get them they right here. Basically perfect, other Matt, than the Matthew pass. Stafford was 27 of 38 for right. 343 yards, an average of nine yards uh, per reception. Right. And four touchdowns, no interceptions. He got sacked, but that was Will Golston, kind of in garbage time. Didn't really matter. And uh, so he 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 outdueled Tom Brady. Brady had a really good day passing, but he it just outdueled Todd touchdowns. Bowles is what he did. Because <laughs> of true. those twenty-seven to thirty-eight, yeah. Scott, he probably—I mean—the first couple drives they went three and out the Rams, where they punted right. very quickly. Let me see one, two. The first two drives of the game, they had. Uh, 17 total yards in the first yeah. two drives of the game. Eight plays, 17 yards. He missed multiple plays. Then they scored two touchdowns, had two nice drives. And he, then he went – I mean, they scored four straight touchdowns basically right. in the game and got things together. He still missed multiple plays down the field that were open in this game. Of his incompletions, I know there were three drops, I believe, and then yeah. he had like a couple just bad misses where he – like there was a guy open on at least three or four other passes. 
it was basically a do whatever you want type of game for for the Rams offense. Oh, they knew the, what Bulls was going to do, yep. and they tore it apart. And it wasn't even blitzing. Bulls didn't blitz that no. much. And as I detailed in Bucks briefing, the Rams kind of knew like you can't blitz Stafford as much as as you as I can other quarterbacks. And yep. Stafford still tore him apart. And That's you right. can't blitz Stafford for sure. He'll kill you. But the you've Rams get killed him more. on third down. Ten of fifteen on third down. That can that's just absurd. That yeah, it, it was. And and the thing is that they had twenty two first downs. The Bucks had twenty seven first downs because, as you mentioned in, earlier in the show, John Tom Brady right. moved the ball. They moved the ball. They actually outgained the Rams four hundred and forty six yards to four hundred seven. But right, it's just that that uh, the Todd Bowles defense, even going back to twenty nineteen when Jared Goff was was the the quarterback. Remember that shootout uh, in in L A. It was actually at the L A. Coliseum. Mm-hmm. The Bucks won fifty five to forty. Okay. And, and as you mentioned, the Rams did have a pick six on defense, so it wasn't like they put up you know all that amount of points, but they put up 518 yards. Jared Goff fumbled the ball, and Dominica Sue scooped and scored in that game, and, and uh, Goff had three interceptions. So he turned the ball over four times. That was a key determining factor in the Buccaneers winning 55-40. to 40. But he threw for 517 yards. The, the, the Bucs. I lose you. Are you there? Did we lose Scott? I'm here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Might have lost Scott. Can you guys hear me still? I think everybody can hear me. Scott's coming. We'll we'll get Scott back in here. But uh, he's right. This was a game where the Rams offense did whatever they wanted. And even though the Bucks offense moved the ball well, and honestly, their process wasn't bad in this game at all, the biggest part of the failure and the struggle, I think, for the Bucks offense was the fact that they just they had some unlucky they had some drops in certain situations they had some things go wrong at key moments of the game yep. and the situational football wasn't as good on the other side of things for the rams the third down offense like you said was exquisite and they kind of took advantage of a lot of plays as the game went on but really the bucks defense didn't offer much resistance in this game yep. i mean they really did for for most of the season scott the bucks had only given up two 40 plus yard plays both were in this game they blew a coverage on a deep ball that just has not really happened this season. Yep. They get Bucks have only given up five 40 plus yard plays all season, and two were against the Rams. The Rams have the most 40 plus yard pass plays in the NFL this season with 18. Nobody's really even that close to them. They are great at creating these plays, but the Bucks also blew the coverage on on the on the long ball to Deshaun Jackson. Then the other 40 yarder was a quick underneath throw. And Devin White actually knocked Carlton Davis off the route. He took a bad angle and took Carlton Davis out and picked picked him basically. And Deshaun Jackson got free and caught the ball and ran for 40 yards up the sideline. And so those are the kind of plays that you can't be out of your being yourself against the Rams. You have to get pressure with four. Yeah. Coverage wise, they're better suited to match up, obviously, with Dean for a full game. Remember, Dean went down, and that's when things really swung. Not saying just Dean, but I'm saying. Dick Delaney really struggled in this game. I felt like I know Arian said he was great after the game. I, I no, he was not. <laughs> Cockrell was was okay, but I, there were still plays. I think they gave up a, t- gave up yeah. a touchdown. Well, and game. the thing is, when you look look back at that game, I mean, one of the, the big plays in that game was was as you mentioned that that deep shot to Deshaun Jackson, right? Seventy five yard touchdown. Jackson had three catches, hundred and twenty yards. Finished the season with the Raiders. So again, like Kenny Young, the linebacker, he was traded to the Broncos. They end up cutting Deshaun Jackson. So two of their star players from week three on, on defense and offense aren't going to be in this game. So it's going to be a, a different game now. At the same time, Cam Akers is back, the running back. And Sean, uh, Sony Michelle had a, a decent game running the ball, 20 carries, 67 yards. Mm-hmm. Only averaged yeah. 3.4 yards per, per carry. 
But but John, in the previous games against the Rams, and what I'm what I'm talking about is in 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. they didn't even really try to run the ball. And I no, think the they, reason why they they ran the ball in in this particular game back in week three is just because they had a big lead. Yeah, I mean that's the key to the whole thing, Scott. Is how much the Bucks go in with the Super Bowl like mindset that they had against the Chiefs. Not saying they do everything the same schematically, but right. in that game they did not care if the Chiefs ran the ball. They said, yeah. "Go ahead, try and run the football against us. Like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make, give you a light box every single snap." And that's what the Bucks got to do, man. It just—I know the Rams just ran it well against the Cardinals. Right. Bucks aren't the Cardinals up front. First of all, don't be disrespected. Bucks are not the Cardinals up front. Right. Second, just look at the stats. The Rams just—and I know having Cam Akers back maybe helps a little bit—but they just haven't run the ball that much this season, and they haven't run it that well when they've ran it yeah. this year. You know, they're 25th in rushing yards per game. They're actually like just uh, like 0.6 yards ahead of the Bucks, and they 23rd tied for 23rd in terms of average yards per attempt too. They just have not run the ball that well now. They need they can run it, no question. But guess yeah. what? If they're going to do that all day and beat you, go ahead, let them. But the whole thing has to start with stopping Cooper Cup. And somebody asked in the chat, and yeah. I appreciate it's a good question. Yeah. I did write about it in Bucks briefing, so it's probably more detailed there. But right. I, to me, the biggest way they got to counter what the Rams do in coverage is not putting. I, I don't want to see this matchup right here. I don't want to see Carlton Davis against nope. Cooper Cup. And we started in the past too many times. It, it just it's not a good matchup for Davis. Plus, yeah. Cup plays so much in the slot, and they try to put Davis in the it's slot. Just not where his comfort zone is. Exactly, and so keep him outside. OBJ plays almost every snap outside. He's just gonna you know a couple snaps inside, but that's it. Keep Carlton Davis on OBJ. Have him follow him around. I do think you need man coverage in this game. You need to make things. You know, Stafford has has done pretty well against zone this season, but I do think you need to be able to switch it up and play some man so coverage. Is this Sean game. Murphy bunting in the slot? Is it, so, is it Mike Edwards in the slot? Is are you going to put Antoine Winfield Jr. in the slot, who's faster than than uh, than Edwards? Well, here's the thing: the Rams take more deep shots than like basically anybody in the NFL. So I need Winfield on the back end personally. Right. Like I, I just think you can't take that. Edwards has good ball skills for sure, but he doesn't yeah. have the range and athleticism. Correct. You know, either side to the sideline or in the air that Antoine Winfield has. Yeah. We saw. And, and this is Michael Pittman, Matthew Stafford throwing the ball. This is not Jalen Hurts throwing the exactly. ball. There's there's right. a there's some time on Edwards' interception <laughs> for Edwards to get there. Right. I mean, it, it's good if observation. That's, if that's yeah. Matthew Stafford right. throwing the ball to Devontae Smith, it might be laced a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's touchdown. Right? Yeah, and so that's a big part of this is preventing the big plays. Like you certainly don't want to lose that way, but also you can't. The play's scared. I think you got to roll up and press these guys and see if you can hit cup off the line of scrimmage. I referenced yeah. in Bucks briefing, and I just talked about it on Monday's pod too. In 2019, the Steelers had a game plan. I went back and watched some videos that were done on it to stop Cooper Cup. Now, there's a lot has changed since then, but they basically would line up and press man. They would press cup with outside leverage yeah. and, and try and be physical with him at the line of scrimmage. Basically, funnel him, trying to, trying to funnel him inside and then cut him with a safety, the roll safety that down. Safety, that robber right. come down. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And you could bring him from the opposite side of the field or the near mm-hmm. side of the field. You could do a couple of different things depending on how they're you know lined what? up. You know what? That's That to me is is where if you have kind of that three safety look, right, where mm-hmm. in certain coverages where you can actually roll Winfield down, right, and you've got, you've got a whitehead playing underneath maybe on Higby or, or something – and you can roll him down and have Edwards as as that that free safety in center field. If you're doing that to take away Cooper Cup, I'm all in favor of that, right? Because mm-hmm. I think Winfield has the speed and the hands to jump a route and and actually make a, a big play there. Yeah, I mean, he does for sure. And 
the Cardinals actually, <laughs> Barbie for me, the Cardinals did a good job yeah. against Cooper Cup. You know, he had right. 62 yards in the game, which is great for, for him. He caught a touchdown late in the game. Yeah. I get it. Um, but honestly, I think like when I wrote it in the article, but something like 43 that was in the of his half. yards, I think yeah. 43 of his yards or something came like on the last drive of the game, like one of the yeah. last drives of the game. When it was game was already over, they changed their defensive structure. They're trying right. to create a turnover. There it was, was really, you know. It was really OBJ, and and they kind of schemed yeah. him to get him open. Yeah. But it, it really, OBJ was the guy that kind of got the yeah. Rams' engine going in the passing game. He and Van Higby. Jefferson caught the big ball too, right? Um, at one and point I, in the game, and I would like to see two yards. So I'd like to see Carlton Davis on OBJ. I think that's yeah. the matchup the, the Bucks would would favor right there. Right, yeah. I th- I agree with you, and I think they'll feel better about that matchup than they would against. You somebody like Cup, but to be yeah. honest, yeah. Um, so I, I, to me, that's why you play it. And I think if it's Sean Murphy Bunting, okay. If it's Mike Edwards, okay. But they need help, and you can't leave them on an island. If you're going to play man coverage, you've got to be able to. Whether it's a linebacker supporting when Cup goes underneath, you just got to be aware of where he is lined up and, and yeah. play him that way. You know, Higby adds another element to their offense. The big especially by the red zone, they do a lot the red of red zone. Of, of yes, they'll play out wide, he'll play with him. in the slot. Yep. Yeah, he, he does a lot of different things, and they also scheme people open really well. So they, they are tough, man. There, yeah. there's no question about it. There's they're going to get their yards. You're going to have you're going to get points you scored on you. You can't be too many. That's you've got to be able to right. limit it enough. And these are some of the best strategies. I think they're not going to be foolproof. Yeah. You're not going to hold Cup to zero catches and on four targets like the Steelers did that day. Right. The Rams 13 point because Stafford's a lot better than Matt um, Jared Goff, no matter what my analytics nerds people whom I love, but they'll, you know, they try to, oh, Stafford's not that much better. It's clearly better. There's no question about it. <laughs> and so I think that's going to matter in this game to a degree. The other big part of this, Scott, is where the Bucs sometimes can struggle getting pressure with four, especially against a good offensive line. Yeah, especially it, against Bulls, the Rams. Yeah, Bulls blitzes so much that this doesn't get talked about enough. And honestly, we don't probably talk about it enough. Shaq Barrett is a good player. Uh, we've talked about it. He's not an elite player. That's okay. Right. You pay good players. It's just the reality of how the league works, especially at a premium position. You got to. So I'm not bemoaning the decision. I think it was a good yep. one. But that's where some of the struggle is for this game, right? Like Shaq Barrett's got to be able to win one-on-one. Joe Tranchuinka won one-on-one a few times right. the last time they played. And a couple were against a good tackle and Andrew Whitworth, yep. a very good tackle. But those guys have to be able to create and win. Yeah. Vita Vea has to be able to create a win. And yeah. they have to do it with games with the four of them. But they don't have to worry as much about containing the pocket with Stafford. Right. That's a good part. That allows them to get into their games without blitzing. And John. But it's huge. I mean. It, it is. We're talking about about Bowles who, and, and you and I both agreed, heading into the Super Bowl last year, that, that the Buccaneers absolutely positively had to play cover two. And they did. Yeah. And that was the, the two the, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two man. That, that was the, the winning formula right there, having two deep safeties. And the one time they didn't do it was, you know, was was right before uh, the half because Bowles actually figured it out in, in the second quarter of the week 12 game. That's kind of where everything started to slow down for the Chiefs. If you remember, Patrick Mahomes in the second half of that 27 24 win over the Bucks by Kansas City in week 12. Mahomes had 100 yards in the second half. That was it. But he had one touchdown, and that's that's the one time where Bulls in, down there in the red zone did not go to to the two-man look, and, and it kind of burned him. So it was kind of like, well, I'm going to try this. Oh, it didn't work. The thing is, in three games, do you, do you know how many times the Buccaneers have sacked either Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford? Not many. Well, one three. against Stafford. Three times in three games. Three. In three games. Didn't they sack 
Goff a bunch in 2019? Twice. I remember twice. Twice in that Zero game. times in 2020. Zero times in 2020 oh. and only once. And that was, uh, you know, kind of a fluky. So then not a fluky. It's play, everything, it's right? Like, back, but we'll, Cup, we'll, yeah. I don't know if you saw me tweet this. Cup has averaged more yards against the box. Actually, right. not average. Throw out the average. He has more cumulative yards yes. against the box in three games than he does against the 49ers in his career. The 49ers are in his division. He's played right. seven He's games twice. against them. <laughs> they have more yards against the box than he does in seven games against the 49ers. Yeah. So, first of all, maybe watch what the 49ers are doing and try to figure that out. Right. Second of all, he's got more yards against the Bucs than anybody he's yep. played in his career other than Arizona and Seattle, who he's played 10 and not an eight or nine times, right. I believe. That's how so, ridiculous this is. Yards per game yeah. in team games, teams that he has played more than once in his career. Right. Cup has more yards against the Bucs average per game than mm-hmm. any other team. And it's not close. Like yeah. this has been it's cup. It's the passing game. It's the pass protection. It's the protection. hasn't really solved any of it. No, yet he to is this not. Point. And uh, Andrew Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth, and and Rob Havenstein, those are two tackles that that are just they're, they're kryptonite against the Buccaneers' pass rush. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with what you wrote about in your column, which was take Shaq Barrett. He listen, Shaq Barrett, good player. He had one interception in 2019, and I, I think he might have had a sack uh, in that game as well against Havenstein. But the last two games, he's been shut out, and. I would put him on the right side against Whitworth, who's got a bit of a bum ankle, and try to use that speed on that side. I would rush Joe Tryon Shoinka from the left side against Havenstein, give him some looks there. And to me, that's that, that that's really where I, I would put my money, John. If if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm looking at it, uh, and and I'm I'm saying where where do I think I'm going to get pressure uh, when I do? Put your money me, on Shaq. Yeah, I'd put the money on Shaq on the right side. Now, with my real money, of course, I'm going to. Give that to, to a Muni Financial. At A Muni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today. A Muni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. We've got to get to Colorado, John. But before that, we've got to talk about Immuni Financial. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immuni Financial like I did at 1-800-868-6864. It's a new year. It's time for you to look at your finances and plan for the year ahead. Visit them on the web at amuni.com. All right, Scott, let's wrap this up with some injury report talk and news before we get to our final sponsor for the day. Um, Shaq Barrett, full participant today in practice. I think Arians, no, he maybe he didn't mention him. Shaq Barrett was a full participant, so that knee's feeling good. Giovanni Bernard was limited. Uh, Devontae David limited. Just maintenance stuff, I think, with those guys. Yep. Again, they're not going to be 100%. Right. He did mention Levante wasn't as sore. I don't remember if that was on Bucks Total Access or somewhere else. I forget. But Levante was wasn't as sore as he thought. Maybe Monday, yeah. That was Monday. Okay. So that's good for Levante. Uh, Mike Edwards is a full participant, even though he's dealing with that elbow shoulder thing. Cyril Grayson did not participate. Uh, Matt said he was out there. I think yep. it was a walkthrough today. So it's basically saying he wouldn't have participated if it were full practice. 
So they'll keep taking it easy on him, and we'll see. Ryan Jensen did not participate. Um, Ronald Jones did not participate. Could we have seen Rojo's last game as a buck? I don't Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, maybe. it's possible if they keep winning, he could be back. I mean, Super Bowl's too. He'd be back for something like that. Yeah. But, hey. I, um, I, listen, I, I would bet on it. I'm not. Do, you I, see, I do, do I look like I'm complaining? Do I, is any part of me? <laughs> no. I mean, Giovanni Bernard is just a better player, man. Like, just. Yeah. I, I and I trust and you trust him more in a playoff setting too. That yeah, might even be don't, don't might even be a, a player prop bet, John. Over oh, at my book. Oh yeah. Listen, even though fantasy football season's over, the playoffs are still rolling on. You can keep the excitement alive with my bookies double deposit bonus. Having your initial deposit matched up to a thousand bucks is like having home field advantage, like the Buccaneers do as of this weekend. All you have to do is sign up using the promo code Pewter. Get your funds credited to your account instantly so you can start placing bets with my bookie. With the NFL postseason in full swing, there's no shortage of games to choose from at my bookie. And everyone knows the playoffs equal points. It's the best time of the year to hammer the overs. With every player out to make a name for themselves, you know the player prop bets are a great way to find the edge. My bookie is also home to exclusive contests that can be used to maximize your winnings. Make 2022 your best year yet. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code PEWTER. Place your bets. Get ready for the intensity of playoff action. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere at MyBookie. By the way, uh, the NFL transaction daily thing came out or whatever, all the tryouts and transactions yep. for the day, and the Bucks worked out former Jets and Texans wide receiver Vincent Smith, apparently. I do not know yep. him and don't know oh, anything yeah. about him. So. Yep. Well, John Brown looking, might play this week, Bruce Aaron said. We've got one more announcement to make real quick, and that's a oh. way that you can donate to Pewter Report. Uh, we appreciate all the Super Chats we've gotten throughout the year, throughout the season, and even today. If you are not able to use the Super Chat function, or if you just want to help out PewterReport.com and, and give us a, uh, a tip, so to speak, for maybe John's Bucks Briefing, or if you like the Pewter Report podcast, you can do that on PewterReport.com backslash donation. You can make a single one-time donation of up to $10. Think of it as an internet tip jar. Or you can become a monthly donor for as little as $3 a month. $3, $5, $9. Those are the, the options for the monthly donations. And we greatly appreciate all the support we get from you, Pewter Nation. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. All right, let's finish up this injury report real quick. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting did not participate as well. That's one to keep an eye on because they're hoping to have him back, obviously. Uh, Rashad Perryman. Uh, did not participate with that hip injury. I haven't heard anything's worse with him. We'll just have to see how right. it goes. But they worked out Vincent Smith today. So that could be a sign that maybe Brashad Perryman's aggravated something or they don't think Cyril Grayson will be back or maybe both. Uh, losing another guy would just be terrible. But do you have John yeah. Brown? Hopefully he's right. ready to do something and Scotty would step in and we'll just see how that one goes. Uh, Jason yeah. Beer-Paul did not participate today. That's just uh, not actually was listed as not injury related. Um, and then quad with uh, Josh Wells with the quad, he was limited today. So that's actually kind of encouraging for Josh yep. Wells that he's already limited. Um, and then Tristan Wirfs with that ankle injury, obviously did not participate. And so yep. this is tough. This is going to be tough. There's no question about it. Bucks are really banged up. Some people mentioned Andrew Whitworth in the chat has an ankle sprain. Yeah, That is true, but he yep. also came right back into the game, did not look like he was in serious pain like Wirfs and, and Jensen right. did at different points and, and uh, seemed in good spirits after. So. No injury report right now from the Rams because there's a three-hour right. time difference, so we'll get that later tonight. So yeah. stay tuned. You'll, you'll see that up on the site later, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So lots of good content at PeterReport.com. Tomorrow we're back with a show. 
it's at 4 p.m. right now. We'll let you know if we if anything changes. Waiting to hear from people. Waited to hear from people for the show uh, for a couple of days now, and so hopefully they get back to me and I can we can let you know. But 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. So when that show is planning to be, we'll talk more about and this matchup. And uh, on Friday, our pewter preview and predictions. We'll have John's prediction, my prediction, plus predictions from Matt, JC, Casey, and Paul as well. So make sure yeah. you look at pewterreport.com Friday afternoon for our pewter preview and predictions. Usually we give them on the show. We're waiting to see who's actually going to play in this game, and then we'll make our final predictions on Friday afternoon. Yeah, for sure. And uh, tomorrow on the show, I also plan to answer some of your questions about coaching. I know there's been a lot of questions about Bulls and Leftwich and where they could go, and we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show too. Couldn't fit it in today, but tomorrow we'll discuss some of that as well. So if you have those questions, make sure you show up 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll be happy to talk about all those things. Looking forward to it. Until then, thanks so much to everybody for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.